0: Hi, and welcome to Data Hack Radio, a podcast where we talk to industry thought leaders and data scientists about their journey and perspective. First of all, a big thank you for the warm welcome you gave to the first two episodes. At the time of recording, both the episodes have been heard by thousands of people across the globe. In this episode, we'll talk to Marios Michalidis, a data scientist at H2O.ai. Marios is one of the top data scientists across the globe and was number one on Kaggle for quite a long duration. He is also the creator and administrator of Casanova, a project made in Java for quick credit scoring and analytics. But what makes this episode very special is the fact that Marios does not come from programming background. Yes, you heard it right. Marios did not have a background in computer science or programming when he decided to enter data science. In this episode, we'll talk to Marios about his journey from a beginner to becoming one of the top data scientists across the globe. also discuss the current trends in machine learning and deep learning and the future of automated machine learning. Hi, Marius. Thanks for uh, taking time out from your uh, schedule to do this uh, podcast. As I said, uh, uh, I was looking forward to it and I'm sure our community members would can learn immensely from uh, your work and what you have done. So eagerly looking forward to uh, hearing more from you. And uh, I've been following you uh, for for some time. Uh, Obviously, you were one of the top gagglers and and, uh, you've done really well in the competitions, which we'll talk uh, in the next hour or so. But uh, first of all, thanks. Thanks for taking time out and uh, really looking forward to the session.
1: I mean, likewise, you know, I feel... You have set up a, a great community, like a great company. Mm-hmm. I have benefited a lot from analytics feed here. I've read many, many uh, of the posts uh, and the blogs you made. And I think you have done a great job in, in democratizing uh, data science. I mean, you you and Kaggle, I think you have done a fantastic job to, uh, to help everybody in this space to, to become better, me included so yeah I think it's it 's great that you know you know we'll get a chance to talk finally yeah, I, uh, so. mm-hmm. I mean sadly, I mean, I would have liked to to participate in, in your competitions a bit more, mm-hmm. but uh, i 'm already doing way too many <laughs> however <laughs> yeah. we do we do use many uh, we still use many competitions from your side. Uh, to test some of the work that we do within H2O.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, uh, we have seen Mark being very active
1: in the. Yeah, in the I mean, Ma- <laughs> Mark is, is, is generally, you know, we try to divide <laughs> who, <laughs> is doing, who is doing which competitions, and okay. uh, Mark is, is focused on your platform. Correct. Uh, he's testing driverless AI a lot.
0: Great, great. So, uh, Maris, uh, let's start with you know your your background and then how yeah. did you uh, start in data science? Uh, because you you did your BA in accounting and finance, and then, then. that's
2: right. Yes.
0: So if you can tell me a bit about uh, you know yourself, how did uh, you get into data science? Where did it all start? When did you come across Kaggle? Yeah.
1: So I'm originally from Greece. Mm-hmm. And I did uh, accounting and finance there because, to be honest, I didn't have any. I hadn't found what I really wanted to do by that point, and I mm-hmm. thought economics is is a generic subject, so you can sort of involve from there. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, when I finished, the, the economical situation in Greece started becoming a bit worse, mm-hmm. uh, and it still is. Not sure if you've heard, but you know, yeah. Greece is not. Not doing great financially, so I thought, and my and I really thank my parents; they could support me. They helped me to do a master's uh, outside in the UK. Mm-hmm. So I went to the University of Southampton, and I did a course in risk management. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was again trying to find what to do, and um, I I joined. Uh, I used to join some talks where different business professionals were trying to sort of um, share their experiences and tell you how they managed to make their careers. Mm -hmm. And um, I attended a talk from a guy who started going to the horse races, but he wasn't really playing. He was like collecting data, Mm -hmm. like who won the race. Uh, what are the weather conditions? Where do people bet the most? And um, then he made a predictive algorithm to predict the winner, and he did pretty well. So I was again, I, I was fascinated by that story and how this was um, explained. And this is what really got me into it. So then I said, I really like this. I mean, the power you have to predict the future with data. It seemed <laughs> like very, very special. So this is what really got me into it. So then I started, Mm -hmm. I picked up a few programming languages. I started learning. Uh, Back then, I'm not sure the term data science didn't exist. So, Mm -hmm. But I, I think I entered that trend where I realized that I need both programming and statistics in order to do better. So I sort of tried to learn both. Mm-hmm. Um, I built uh, an open source, uh, anyway, a freeware where mm-hmm. I sort of compiled all the knowledge I accumulated. I called it Casanova.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And and then you know, and after this, it just went smooth because I found a few jobs in the industry. Then I started doing Kaggle competitions just because I wanted to improve, learn more,
2: mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. get
1: better. Uh, And this is pretty much what set me uh, on this this path.
0: Interesting. And this uh, entire thing happened while you were doing your master's or this was post your master's?
1: That's right. This happened when I started doing my master's. So I didn't have any programming background before eight eight years ago. So mm -hmm. after I finished my master's, I started learning programming
0: and and the language you picked up was java because casanova was written in java initially.
1: yeah so what happened was i started with c i, I was really disappointed <laughs> uh, <I> was really <laughs> okay.
0: i'm not surprised
1: I didn't, I didn't have someone to teach me and you mm-hmm. know I, I just bought some books and yeah. i remember reading some c plus plus um tutorials and books and mm-hmm. when i read pointers mm-hmm. you know the that chapter that talks about pointers, I totally lost it. I remember
2: mm-hmm.
1: I said there's no way I can ever get past this with what I know right now. Uh, so I switched and and I said maybe I'll pick Java, which is, you know, it just claimed to be easier mm-hmm. at that point and still is, has some mm-hmm. advantages, works mm-hmm. on any platform, etc. So then I picked up Java.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I mean, and, you know, it wasn't pretty right. Yeah. I think. It can, you know, in the beginning, it took me almost a month to create a J table and, and load it with some data. Mm-hmm. But, you know, after this, it goes really quickly. I think once you get the basic concepts, it's it really big. Yeah, you, you can pick it up.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's that's actually very interesting and, and uh, uh, also inspiring to uh, to a good degree because, you know, uh, when I talk to a lot of people in the community, there is this general impression that if you don't come from a programming background or engineering background, it's uh, it's difficult to pick up data science. So, uh, whereas, you know, your uh, education primary uh, was in accounting. It,
1: it, it is a very important skill, but mm-hmm. I think you can get away. I mean, you can learn it. You yeah. still need to have some uh, mathematical understanding, mm-hmm. like some basic understanding of math, of logic in general. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, if you dedicate the time, you can do it.
0: Mm-hmm. And is there, uh, I mean, what uh, triggered uh, the name Casanova?
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, so Casani is my mother's last name with oh, K, okay. no? Mm-hmm. No, not C. As, as the guy, the lover guy <laughs> and ANOVA an, an is from uh, analysis of variance,
0: it's right. like, okay. a, a
1: statistical term, yeah. so putting you know one and one together casa wow. Nova. Okay. Yeah. so yeah a bit, a bit cheeky maybe, but uh, <laughs> I think it, it, it means, it encompasses the love I have for family and stats
0: Interesting, interesting. And uh, you developed Casanova in order to do better in competitions or, or you no, were just... No.
1: So, you know, b- back then I felt, I felt there was a need for, um, you know, some more tools, mm-hmm. uh, especially for uh, that, that would require an open source or a free GUI, mm-hmm.
2: Like, mm-hmm.
1: like point and click. Uh, but really, I... I started working in credit risk, mm-hmm. like making scorecards,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um, I realized that I work. That there are certain things which I do all the time, mm-hmm. like how I discretize variables, like do optimised pinning, do weights of evidence, mm-hmm. uh, and then I said, you know, instead of doing it for based on another software, another platform, uh, why not do it, you know, like myself. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. optimize like my workflow like what I would do when I work for clients so this was the basic idea build something that is specifically optimized for for credit scoring Mm
0: -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. Uh, that's why the focus is still like building scorecards
0: interesting and how prevalent was open source at that time because uh, you know no, last yes. four or five years it it has become very prevalent but uh, at that time i presume uh, it wouldn't have been that uh, that common no trend. no
1: no and, and generally uh, knowledge was not as democratized back mm-hmm. then i mean the companies like yourselves mm-hmm. uh, came later that could really help to bridge that gap and a lot of the things were knowledge uh, kept by you know people doing the PhDs (laughs) Um, yeah uh, it's it's uh, I mean there wasn't that much to go on I mean I really like Mm Weka. so -hmm. Weka was back then and it was a great source uh, for learning Mm -hmm. uh, and a few other tools but uh, nothing like what it is
2: today
0: Right, yeah,
1: right. needless to say that things like uh, neural networks, they were not being used back then. Still, most people would talk about logistic regression and linear models were still being used sort of uh, mm-hmm. everywhere. And maybe decision trees, but not decision trees as in like random forests and gradient boosting machines. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it was... I felt there was there was a gap back then. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Now a lot of this has been democratized.
0: Correct, correct. So, uh, and when did you come across uh, uh, your first Kaggle competition or when did you... Yeah.
1: so it was this Amazon employee classification talent, which was, mm-hmm. it, it, it was quite popular for, for back then. Great. Like mm-hmm. if you see how many com- how many competitors there were in Kaggle, so this one at that point in time mm-hmm. had three or four more times than the average. Wow. Uh, yeah. But I had joined Danhambi back mm-hmm. then. Um, and Danhambi had already uh, you know it, it was a very no- it's a very innovative company. So yeah. uh, they had already hosted two Kaggle competitions mm-hmm. by the point I joined because they really wanted to find some solutions to the problems. And um, so I joined right after they had already hosted the second competition.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I've heard about it. Uh, it wasn't the only source. Mm-hmm. So I had a few friends of mine that had looked it. And, and, and you know, this this is what really uh, made made the trigger for mm-hmm. me.
0: Interesting. And how easy or how difficult were initial days in Kaggle? And and how uh, did you kind of uh, pass the initial few days where a lot of people kind of drop off uh, today?
1: Yeah, I think you need to have some perseverance because the first time you're... I mean, I have seen some very, very talented people Mm -hmm. over the years. I cannot classify myself as one of them. So when I started, I tried my own techniques, like what I would do, let's say, in a business environment,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it didn't do very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I immediately had to to adjust. Mm-hmm. So started reading the forums, uh, starting seeing what the others were doing, what tools they were using. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have this mentality, you can improve really quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, yeah, I think I managed to finish top 10 in, in the first competition I participated. But um, it was mostly, not completely, but I did a lot of work to see what mm-hmm. the others were doing. Interesting and to brother. keep doing that today. So learning from the others is really key. It's really fundamental. Good, good. I, 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 but you need to give credit also to the community that is very, very open
0: right right in fact that's what uh, i would want to emphasize that the kind of discussions and the learning which can happen through uh communities is immense and, and
1: uh, it, it's huge and you know now Kaggle has gamified mm-hmm. these things so yeah. if you participate in discussions or if you write code you get points, points. Uh, but this mentality was there back then mm-hmm. you know it was wanted to share, I still generally the data science community is one of the best I've ever seen in any social context. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean they're very keen to share, very keen to help others and I don't know why is that, maybe because Mm -hmm. it's research driven and you know, I don't know, people feel this need to contribute to share, I I don't know what is it but it's, it's really great to to be part of this it's uh, no let's get shared, and this has really opened things up for everyone yeah yeah
0: and uh, uh, what were some of the sources apart uh, so one you already mentioned which were the forums and the discussions which were going on so what were some of the other resources or where did you go when you came across a challenge or something you wanted to learn so what or how did you yeah. uh,
1: i think what really helped uh, mm-hmm. even to this day is going backwards to previous competitions
2: mm-hmm.
1: because these people had already done the work to find you know other relevant papers and similar works mm-hmm. uh, apply this knowledge and share their findings on the forums, obviously, communities like yourselves are mm-hmm. are extremely uh, extremely useful. Obviously, you know, academic resources
2: mm-hmm.
1: also useful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, s- some stuff you also learn from your uh, like business environment too. Mm-hmm. You know, they are skilled people. I'm mm-hmm. um, just right to, I mean, obviously, books and 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 tutorials. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I picked up also some. Uh, online courses there was one from andrew ng and a very good course right the, these these are the stuff i have tried and even to this day i still recycle these these sources
0: sure and then how and
1: then I get back.
0: yeah and then how did it uh, how long did it take for you to reach uh, number one in kaggle and then uh, tell us a bit more about that journey
1: yeah it took me i think around three years mm-hmm. maybe Yeah, around three years to get to the top spot Uh, obviously it was I I put it it was a personal goal Mm -hmm. to get there and I put uh, a lot of time especially on on that last stretch Mm -hmm. when I tried to when I was second or third I really put the effort there Mm -hmm. to um, to get to the top spot Um, I didn't have this goal from the beginning Mm -hmm. so When I started, I just wanted to see what the best people in the field were doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I kept improving. Um, Then I was, a few competitions came which were very close to what I were doing, for example, in in Danhambi. For example, I remember one was called Acquired Value Shoppers Challenge, Mm -hmm. which was about what people are going to basically buy next. I, you know, I, I got a few good spots. I jumped onto the global rankings quite a bit, mm-hmm. and then you know, you you put small, short-term goals. You get to top twenty, then you say maybe I can push it to top fifteen. You get to top fifteen, you say I can push it to top ten, and and this is how it goes. You know, like slowly, mm-hmm. you put short-term goals. I don't think my job was sudden. Mm-hmm. I think some people have gotten to the top spot more quickly Mm -hmm. i think mine was a steady calculated approach where i worked hard and methodically Mm -hmm. in order to get there obviously forming good teams i keep adding more to my pipeline always trying to add more tools trying to Add more. Um, try to tackle more problems like image classification, sound classification, text, etc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think my sort of journey to the top spot was calculated. Was steady, and you know, it was it was a product of of, of very very hard work.
0: Well, great, great, great to hear that. Hi, listener. Are you looking to kickstart your data science journey? Analytics Vidya has launched introduction to data science course exclusively for beginners in data science. We cover the basics of Python programming language, a comprehensive statistics module, and by end of the course, you will be able to build an end-to-end predictive model on your own. Check out the courses by logging on to trainings.analyticsvidya.com. The courses are currently running on a 50% discount. So make sure you book these courses within next 10 days to avail the discount. you mentioned that uh, uh, there was a period or multiple competitions where uh, the work you were doing were similar to the uh, t- t- competitions which came up so uh, and on the other hand you know a lot of times i've heard people saying that uh, you know the ca- uh, work which happens uh, during the kaggle competitions is not kind of uh, replicable in uh, real life or, or you know it's it's uh, difficult to implement that so uh, what is your view? So uh, when you have used Kaggle, how similar you found it at a problem level and then at the solution level, uh, I guess. And yeah, I
1: mean, I, I understand this argument and I think there are fundamental differences, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, winning the competition is not the same as trying to make a model that you try to put into production, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there are parameters where you don't, care that much when you work in a competition like uh, you you mentioned the the complexity Mm -hmm. how much resources you need uh, the uplift of the additional complexity versus um, versus yeah i mean how much really you gain Um, however i still see great value in in doing this i mean it's I, i have Benefited tremendously mm-hmm. more from uh, uh, from doing this mm-hmm. because I can easily tweak a simple model to achieve as best as it can. For example, which right. is something extremely useful mm-hmm. uh, in in a business context. But also sometimes it's good to know what's the theoretical best you can get, right. uh, like for a given problem, in order to be able to gauge like how much you are going. To put in because sometimes mm-hmm. it's maybe worth to add, you know, like additional resources just to be able to run a more complicated solution. De- depends on the problem. Uh, but, you know, competitions is a bit like running in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it is a good skill to yeah. be able to run really fast, but uh, are you going to need this kind of running ability in, in, in your whole? Life. I mean, to be able to run like this, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think so.
2: Yeah, I mean, but I mean, maybe if someone,
1: it? yeah, if someone steals your your bag and yeah. you need to catch him, <laughs> uh, then maybe. Yeah. Um, however, I still think it should be uh, appreciated in in a way. You know, like what you do there, because in a way, still, what you learn and what you apply is more applicable to the business world than yeah. just yeah. being able to run.
0: Right, right. So, so it uh, definitely opens up the possibilities, and then your thinking process in terms of how to solve those problems. Uh, yes. That's true. The other aspect which I personally found very useful in Kaggle competitions was just, you know, knowing the spread of problems which could be solved and and what are some of the best techniques in which work in different problems and, you know, then relating it back to some of the work which uh, I was doing. So so find that as well. And then, uh, you know, how do you select which competitions to enter and which ones to uh, uh, kind of let, let go?
1: Yeah. Um, th- to start with your second question, uh, I enter many. Mm-hmm. Like for me, the filtering is not in which competitions I okay. will enter; it's mm-hmm. more like which competitions I won't enter, if <laughs> any. Okay. okay. Uh, and that's because right now this is also associated with my work.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: because, you know, at the we're trying to build. You know, yeah. yes an automated solution that is extremely competitive to any any type of uh, supervised machine learning problem. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so uh, but I would say I will avoid competitions that may require huge resources at this point. So mm-hmm. some com- some image classification competitions that have something like one terabyte of data, these are the ones I might exclude at this point because I yeah I don't want to uh, to allocate maybe I don't want to allocate resources for it that's mm-hmm. that's my only constraint, otherwise I would like I would have liked to try everything
2: if mm-hmm. I can, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, because I learn from everything, and even if I don't participate in a competition, I still try to be connected, try to see what the people used, what were the best techniques and try to add this to my arsenal.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Now going back to your first questions, yes, I think um, learning the tools, learning the techniques is extremely fundamental. And I think even if some companies that hosted competitions, maybe they got some very complicated solutions out of it that were Mm -hmm. tough to implement, they've still learned like what were the best techniques out there. I mean, uh, they've learned which simpler models were able to perform well. And this is also very, very valuable knowledge. Yeah. Because if a, if an XG Boost model can get you to top 10 without mm-hmm. requiring huge ensembles, then it's, it's a very valuable thing to know. Even to know the technique is mm-hmm. very valuable. And, yeah. you know, Kaggle and, and yourselves, it's an environment that if there is something new people are going to try it because they're very driven to you know like to win mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and as i said lots of them are researchers so if there is something new that comes out people are going to to try it and mm-hmm. so you'll get to a benefit from this you as a participant because you will see it
0: Right, right. And uh, is there a a framework which you have developed right now uh, in how do you approach a competition? Are there some, let's say, best practices which uh, which you follow?
1: yeah I mean, the first thing that I do is just try to understand the problem a bit, like what I'm being tested on, mm-hmm. what is the metric, is it a regression or is it a classification problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm trying to see a bit like the the distributions of some variables, how consistent are the training with the test data. Are there like fundamental differences? Um, For example, are there temporal elements in the data? Is time a factor here? Uh, Do I have very different distributions in some variables? For example, some groups appearing in the training data, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: not appearing in the test data. Let's say I have completely different customers in the training data from the test data. So I do this kind of investigation initially, Mm -hmm. and this will help me to decide a cross-validation strategy. Mm -hmm. And my aim here is to try to replicate what I'm being tested on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I know if I manage to replicate what I'm being tested on internally, uh, I will have a lot of room to try things and try to see what really adds value and what doesn't add value. And I think data science is very hypothesis testing driven. If you can have reliable data, enough volume, and a testing framework which very well resembles what you are being tested on mm-hmm. then theoretically you can try all sorts of combinations all types of feature transformations feature selections all algorithms with as exhaustive hyperparameter tuning as as you can mm-hmm. and you can really find what's working yeah. and so i and i think this is a, a stage where it really determines success for me
2: mm-hmm.
1: so if i manage to do this well I will also investigate more time in the competition because I think I can, you know, I can really uh, leverage all the different tools uh, I could use and techniques Mm -hmm. uh, if I have done this uh, properly. Uh, Once I pass this stage, then it's a matter of, you know, trying different algorithms, trying different feature transformations and Mm -hmm. always saving the results, Mm -hmm. always saving the predictions Mm -hmm. because then... I get to the final stage, which is essentially stacking
2: mm-hmm. and
1: sampling or combining all these predictions with a new model
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think I put if I have an advantage uh, versus other competitors is around this space, mm-hmm. I would say it's a small advantage, but you know this has been the topic of my thesis. This has been what I focused on on a lot of my time in Kaggle, like how to create diversified models and Mm -hmm. how to really get the most out of stacking, not just using one layer, but possibly multiple layers. Mm -hmm. So keep doing models after models, saving predictions Mm -hmm. and then fitting new models on these predictions until you really exhaust all information about the target variable.
2: Interesting.
0: Interesting.
1: Other things that play out, like, you know, forming a good team, Mm -hmm. uh, This normally comes after you have set up the problem and you have a few good uh, single models. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, you probably look for people that are likely to take different approaches than you. Maybe Mm -hmm. they're focused on different types of machine learning models. For example, someone who is very good at deep learning
2: Mm -hmm.
1: or someone who is, let's say, extremely good in feature engineering. I mean, yes, you are basically looking for diversity, Mm -hmm. mostly. But also, you know, people you have fun playing with.
0: Yeah, yeah, interesting. Interesting. And so I think a couple of resources which I would like the audience to kind of refer. One was you did a talk, I think, on stacking, which which I found really interesting, which is there on YouTube, uh, uh, which which tells some of this in more details. And uh, yeah. uh, the other one was uh, you, you created this course on Coursera on how to win a data science competition. So, yeah, uh,
1: I mean, obviously it's not. Just me, right? I mean, right, yeah. are, I, with a group of great Correct. Kaggles and researchers. Yeah. Like, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah, But uh, I wanted to ask, how was your experience working with, uh, you know, fellow instructors, which are all very passionate about Kaggle, obviously. And then... Uh, yeah,
1: it's great. And, you know, I joined late in that project uh, mm-hmm. because there were some last minute uh, dropouts mm-hmm. from this. So I was kind of suddenly... Invited to participate mm-hmm. and I, I was really honored because these are great kagglers and mm-hmm. uh, great uh, researchers in that space. Mm-hmm. And they have already done a really, really good job to put down all the knowledge for, mm-hmm. uh, from past competitions. And, uh, and to be honest, I've learned a lot from that course myself mm-hmm. uh, because much of the content was already created by the point I joined. Okay. And uh, I think especially like in the feature engineering part, mm-hmm. everything I have ever tried, it, it's there. So, mm-hmm. And I think when this course came out, it mm-hmm. has become much more difficult for me to, to win. <laughs>
0: <But> <laughs> that's that, you that's know, the beauty
1: of it. And I really advise people to take this uh, yeah. because it really... As I said, every trick I've ever tried is, mm-hmm. is essentially there.
2: Yeah.
1: I cannot think of something that's... Like for typical problems, right? I mean, mm-hmm. not, for example, you won't find much on image classification, but for typical, let's say, tabular mm-hmm. Excel type
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, of problems, everything, anything I've ever tried is, is there. Right. uh and my contribution was uh was my work in in staking mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah again, I think i've I've put in there essentially uh, all the stuff I've been using more yeah. Uh, yeah in the competitions in order to to do well mm-hmm. And I think it's it has leveled the field mm-hmm. uh you know us putting this there but yeah. it, you know it also gives us sort of more, um, incentive now to improve, to try and learn new things
0: Correct.
1: Uh, in order to uh, try and get better.
0: Yeah, everyone in the ecosystem becomes better, actually.
1: Yeah, but I think you can clearly see that after this came out, I have mm-hmm. harder time to, uh, <laughs> to get a good spot. Like, I mean, I ha- had a few top 10s, but mm-hmm. I haven't won a competition since that course came out.
0: <laughs> okay it might be you've become more busier <laughs> by the day uh, uh
1: yeah i mean uh, i cannot make that excuse to be honest because I, I i have spent again much time because now it's also part of my role
2: mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm.
1: Like to do this. Interesting. Uh, so i cannot make that excuse that's that's not it mm-hmm. I, I think that people have become better
0: yeah. Uh, talking a bit about your, uh, you know, role at uh, H2O and, uh, yep. and the products you are developing. So uh, can you tell a bit more about uh, driverless AI, what it is trying to achieve and how do you see that uh, going uh, forward? Before
1: I tell you this, let me tell you a bit how I I was connected to H2O because... Yeah,
0: yeah H2O. that would be interesting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so as you know, in Kaggle, in order to do well, mm-hmm. you, you need to know lots of tools. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I briefly mentioned before that lots of the game comes from having diversified models Mm -hmm. and uh, I remember H2O came out when uh, or I it became known to me through a Kaggle competition Mm -hmm. specifically it was one about uh, Africa soil you had to predict the the substance of of, of the soil Mm -hmm. and it was a regression type problem and uh, H2O came out Mm -hmm. and they made a few Posts in 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 Kaggle mm-hmm. uh, about how you could use deep learning to um, to get a good score, and um, this is what really got me into it. So mm-hmm. I saw it. Uh, I'm really good at <laughs> copying what the others are doing, <laughs> and uh, the moment I saw this, I tried it. I loved it. I thought it was it was really great, mm-hmm. and uh, I immediately incorporated it into the tools uh, I used So there was a great appreciation. For me, for this open source
2: tool, mm-hmm. it
1: was like very fast uh, and very good results. Mm-hmm.
2: And,
1: and any chance I got, you know, uh, far before I joined H2O, to mm-hmm. to talk about the tools that I really like to use, uh, H2O was always there.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so there was this kind of appreciation, you know, for the company and and the products, obviously. Right. Uh, so then. Um, I got to know many people that work from h all through Kaggle. For example, Mark. You mentioned Mark yeah, before. Right. So we played mm-hmm. together in a competition and I got to know him. So, And this is essentially what got me into H2O mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. You know, I was in contact uh, with him. And um, then, you know, the opportunity um, came up and uh, then I joined the team. And... Um, I knew they were building something really exciting. Yeah. And uh, This product right now is uh, it's called Driverless AI. Okay. Uh, again, the focus is to, to democratize mm-hmm. uh, data science. Like, you know, a lot of the things that experience uh, data scientists, experience Kagglers, for example, doing mm-hmm. the competitions can be encapsulated into one tool.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This has been the focus. Build a tool that... Uh, can handle different input sources, then you just select what you want to optimize, for example, accuracy, Mm -hmm. or area under the rock curve. Then you say how much resources you have available. I have that many GPUs or Mm -hmm. X number of CPUs. Uh, This is how much memory I have. This is how much accuracy I want. This is how much, how quickly I want it to end. And you just give this, and the tool is going to run multiple experiments Mm -hmm. and try to the best results
0: right mm-hmm.
1: so you bring in that expert you know knowledge of uh, created by you know a group of experienced data scientists a group of leading uh, engineers mm-hmm. uh, in the fields and researchers uh, into one tool
2: yeah
0: yeah and how do you see that uh, going forward, do you see automated ML being uh, a part of workflow for every data scientist, which essentially means the role of a data scientist evolves more on taking some of the calls which you just mentioned, or, uh, or do you see that uh, both the things would go in parallel? How do you see that? evolving?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, in a way, I think this is an empowering tool. Mm-hmm. I don't think it replaces a data yeah. scientist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it can really help the data scientists to focus on more strategic decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, how uh, which data I'm going to use for training, which data I'm going to use for test, or let now that I have a tool that can exhaustively try to find the best, uh, you know, like the best features, the best score. Let's see how much value each one of my data sources add. Mm-hmm. So, I have this type of data, I get. X accuracy, now I'm adding this type of data. How much uplift do I get? Do I get a lot? Yes or no? Mm-hmm. What is the cost of bringing in this, this new data? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is also a lot you can gain on the, even on the modeling part. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, for example, how I use driverless, I use it a lot. Um, I, I run a model. I see mm-hmm. which are the best features, and I can yeah. export these best features. Mm-hmm. Then I can run my own models on it. I can run more simplified models if I want, mm-hmm. or more, more complicated ones. Or I can run very huge ensembles on top of these transformed features. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it's educational. I can mm-hmm. see which are the best features and why. Um, the, other, the other thing is that um, you can get uh, interpretability. Mm-hmm. This is something that even if, if you were doing it yourself, now with all the need for regulation and and clarity, mm-hmm. you have to uh, you know use very simple models to get yeah. away with it. Mm-hmm. But uh, now, for example, driverless has this model where it can take a complicated model and really simplify it for you. keeping mm-hmm. it as codes or giving it as very simple models. To, mm-hmm. where you know you can you can explain it and you can pass all the regulatory constraints. So data science obviously is not just Kaggle. so these things I think are really fundamental they mm-hmm. can really help to bring data science and, and more black box data science right mm-hmm. I mean which is which is meant to be more accurate uh, into the everyday business. Yeah. Uh, so I think I still think that's that's the way forward. I still think that you know data science skills uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: are greatly needed mm-hmm. uh, because these decisions about, uh, you know, how, how you set up the data science problem, are extremely important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, in fact, it's more important than sometimes than the actual. Okay. Uh, than the actual problem itself Mm -hmm. Uh, but now the data science will be a bit more of a manager Mm -hmm. i I still see that that's that focus there will be that shift he needs to be a a manager of this of -hmm. this
0: process hi listener data hack summit 2018 is the most advanced conference in India on artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, and IoT. We bring together the top thought leaders and data scientists to take various hands-on sessions, full-day talks, workshops, and much more. The summit will be held in Bangalore from 22nd to 24th of November, 2018. Reserve your seat today at an early bird discount by logging on to analyticswithdia.com make sure you book your seat today. One of the things which, uh, I guess, came up multiple times in our discussion uh, and is a, is an underlying trend that, uh, you know, uh, uh, in terms of the size of data which you can now process or which you need to process and, and the evolution of deep learning and, and uh, kind of black box models. So, so what are some of the, uh, you know, things that you do to make uh, deep learning models more explainable or or how do you kind of overcome that obstacle of, uh, uh, you know, still getting the best out of uh, uh, a black box kind of model?
1: Yeah, uh, and I will have to say that I really like what we do with uh, driverless on this Mm -hmm. space Mm -hmm. because the main logic is that we have a complicated model. It doesn't matter what model it is. It may be an exit-boost model. It may be an ensemble of exit-boost models. It may be deep-learning models or you know whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. thing is, we have some predictions. Mm-hmm. Then we can take these predictions, forming new target variable, mm-hmm. and, ta- and try to predict this with some other model. That mm-hmm. other model complexity is up to you mm-hmm. how complex you want it to be. It can be a decision tree, which is really, really deep. Mm-hmm. Or it can be... Um, you know, some uh, multiple regressions for different clusters of this of this prediction. Mm-hmm. So trying to explain small slopes within that prediction spectrum. It can work with any technique and this is a good way forward. So mm-hmm. I, it doesn't matter how I'm making the predictions. Mm-hmm. I'm somehow making these predictions my target in a new models where that new models complexity is, is defined by you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like how complex, how deep you want to be. I think it is uh, There is a lot of work from my colleagues. Um, mm-hmm. Also, if you've made the books here, you should follow the work of Patrick Hall here. Mm-hmm, I think he has mm-hmm. done, done a great work in this space on, on interpretability of models. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's, that's the way forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, now about how going on generally being able to run Deep learning models on a larger scale.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think it's just the, the usual tricks here. So bad size, uh, trying to to stream, you know, to load only what you need basically mm-hmm. for it, uh, mm-hmm. for its batch. Let's say uh, where you're training your neural network, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, and basically only you know put as much as your GPU can handle,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: essentially. Uh, which is, I think, what's, I mean, this is what pretty much most people are, are using.
0: Mm-hmm. Correct. correct. Yeah. Uh, uh, coming to the first thing which you mentioned that, you know, uh, uh, the ability of driverless AI to simplify models in, in whatever shape and form you choose. Uh that's that's actually a uh, you know interesting development which has happened in the last few years and I, I remember the first paper i came across which was mentioning something similar but it, it also highlighted that there are some limitations in the way uh, you can simplify models or there are there might be biases which come in in the approach so have you seen something similar How is yeah that- i
1: mean you can never get exactly the same right i mean essentially course, when yeah. you get a model that tries to explain another model, right. it, won't be per- it won't be perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you always lose something. I mean, right. you, I mean, you cannot get an ensemble mm-hmm. of models explained by one simple model. Correct. Like, there is always a loss of information there. But mm. hopefully, what you get is is good enough, um, like for, for the regulators, for example. Mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. hopefully good enough to to bridge that gap you know to take away this this fear of of black box mm-hmm. like that you know the model is making reasonable predictions like this guy was not given credit because you know he he or she has missed uh, two or three payments in the past yeah these are the most predictive inputs here so yeah hopefully it helps to to bridge this gap but i don't think you can go completely mm-hmm. from a, a very complicated models. To a simple one without losing anything, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I still think that's uh, that's a hyperparameter here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because you can, if you really want, you can use a random forest to explain mm-hmm. your more complicated model, sure. right? But then mm-hmm. it's not interpretable. It's not right? Theory. So yeah, I think you will always lose something here, but hopefully it's it's good enough. To uh, to get yeah to pass through that that regulatory barrier. <laughs> this this is what I believe.
0: Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of the things which we uh, haven't spent time on is your academic uh, side of uh, your career. So I know you've done your PhD uh, recently. So can you tell uh, uh, what was your PhD topic around because it was in in data science and uh, 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 how did you go about doing it? Yeah, I
1: mean, my PhD was specifically about... uh recommenders mm-hmm. because my role back then was in Danhambi where mm-hmm. I was working in this recommendation space mm-hmm. uh, for a grocery environment basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a special case of uh, recommendations because people tend to buy what they already like mm-hmm. so I think a lot of uplift can comes from making certain that when it is the time for you to buy the item which we know you like Mm -hmm. You just, you know, you buy it. For example, you don't forget it. So I did a lot of work in this space, Uh, not just the modeling, but also the feature engineering, Mm -hmm. like what type of features, for example, you could use to get the most out of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, we had success, you know, in the company doing this. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But also, it was a great opportunity to combine this with uh, ensemble modeling in this space, Mm -hmm. which... How I I created um, StackNet, which mm-hmm. is a methodology of uh, basically doing multi-layer stacking. Stacking. Mm-hmm. Yes. So stacking, which resembles essentially neural network,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like
1: a feed-forward neural network, where you know you can keep adding stacking layers on top mm-hmm. of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you can go as deep as deep as as you're basically your diversity. And your volume of data allows you to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, these two things essentially form my thesis. So, generally optimizing for this recommenders problem, but at the same time, uh, doing so using. Stacking uh, ensemble of models.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. So you've you've done your PhD. You also did the uh, uh, or were part of the team which created the Coursera course. Is is teaching yeah. something which uh, which you enjoy and you see uh, foresee yourself doing that more in future?
1: Yes, I think I have an obligation to
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know because uh, I have been lucky mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, you know i've worked a lot but i have also been at the right point at the right time Mm -hmm. Uh, i chose to do things alive which i I liked and they happened to be like the next big things i didn't Mm -hmm. know that data science will be that big when i started Mm -hmm. they were not called data science back then yeah happened to see that person who really um, he explained this so well, this horse racing problem, and I was so fascinated uh, by it that I I started doing this. And it's not secret that I've learned most of the things uh, mm-hmm. online, mm-hmm. things you know, from communities like like yourself and Kaggle, mm-hmm. uh, from Google and Wikipedia. I mean, I owe to them so much,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, like Stack Overflow. You know, I I owe everything. Mm-hmm. So it's only fair if I get a chance to give something back, I mm-hmm. I do it. So I I totally see myself, you know, keep doing this uh, going forward. So it's any chance I get to uh, to share my experience and mm-hmm. and knowledge in this space, knowledge that was acquired but mm-hmm. willingly given to me, mm-hmm. like freely. Yeah, uh, I think it's only fair. I, you know, I give something back if I can.
0: Great, great. Thank, uh, that's that's commendable. Yeah. For, I
1: mean, for as long as as you know my skills remain, you know, like relevant. Obviously, <laughs> there are new people coming in, very very talented. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's harder and harder to to remain, uh, you know, really competitive in what you do. But for uh, for as long as as this lasts. Uh, <laughs> You know, I try to make certain that whatever I learn, you know, mm-hmm. it goes back one way or another.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're being extra modest there <laughs> about uh, being relevant. But, you uh, know, <laughs> uh, that's, that's uh, really commendable and, and uh, I really appreciate the willingness. Uh,
1: Thank you. But really what I've done is nothing compared to what you, you have done in, in your community. You know, this is what really changes mm-hmm. uh, things. And that's why anytime I get to say good things about, you know, communities such as yourself, I always do because they have elevated me personally, too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what? They made what I do interesting. They made what I do important.
2: Mm.
1: You know, I don't know if data science would be where it is today if it wasn't for communities like you. No, thanks, yeah, thanks. People wouldn't be that aware of it. Mm-hmm. You know like the the prospects the the um, the capabilities what you can achieve, and the fact that you know it's not i mean the knowledge is it's out there mm-hmm. and you grab it and then you can start transforming you know mm-hmm. like the your yeah. business the world yeah
0: great great uh, no it's it's uh, really great to uh, you know hear from you and as part of the you know last few minutes in in this uh, podcast what i usually do is i just ask a few rapid fire questions so you sure. just, you can just answer whatever comes to your mind first so yeah. uh, you know let's say you enter into a competition where you only have you can only apply one algorithm and one shot which one would you choose and why
1: yeah I think I'll use um, a type of gradient boosting like boost or ITBM, because I think it's it takes the least time and least to to do well like the least mm-hmm. preparation mm-hmm. like out of the box it can give you very good results It's is very fast well tested mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um so I'm I'm going to go with this if I had only one one chance mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to go with this uh, I feel confident I know this quite well Mm-hmm. tried mm-hmm. lots of times so i'm i'm going to go with this i mean anything else i think a logistic regression model for example mm-hmm. might be simple here to give me yeah. good results and mm-hmm. the deep learning model might take me a bit more time, more
2: time.
1: to mm-hmm. yeah to, to get it to get it going so i'll go i'll go safe and sure. pick mm-hmm. the boosting myself.
0: yeah if you had to pick a topic for your phd thesis today what would you choose
1: I really like this work about interpretability.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, it, like, how to make uh, maybe de mm-hmm. Like, how can you go from a, a, a stacked model to mm-hmm. something as simple as you can, basically, without mm-hmm. losing accuracy. Or make make accuracy anyway hyperparameter. Like, how much you want to lose versus, like, how how complex you want your... The final solution to be. I think that's a very interesting topic. If I was maybe to start again now, mm-hmm. I'd probably more work in this area. Because I have seen the value of, of stacking, and uh, I know it can add a great value, but I can see the constraints. Yeah. Uh, so in order to really add more value here, mm-hmm. I would more work in this process. So this stacking going backwards mm-hmm. to simplify solutions and interpretability.
0: Mm-hmm. Sure, and uh, assuming you had, uh, you know, all the resources uh, you wanted, uh, how uh, what would you do to develop uh, uh, the d- data science ecosystem in Greece uh, further? And then, what what would be some of the things you would want to do in the next few years? Uh,
1: you mean back in my home country? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... To be honest, I would really like to increase awareness. You're right, mm-hmm. because the country still suffers financially and I'm obviously close to my home country. Mm-hmm. I have my family there. I'm yeah. close to them. You know, I, I, I still, you know, I help them any way I can.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I think data science is a great opportunity for any country mm-hmm. that has like, you know, um, people which you know they they, they have like good education home mm-hmm. same with India Like could yeah. like have good educational background but you know maybe the economy is not as its best as of now mm-hmm. I think this is this is a great field to start because mm-hmm. the barrier to enter is not that great right. I mean basically a, a person with a laptop and a GPU can start learning can start you know like doing things in this area mm-hmm. so uh, I think uh, the first entry point is to go to a few universities here mm-hmm. like back in my home country and make them a bit more aware of this. Start start with this. Start to see if uh, you know, just putting the word out because if I go back to my hometown I'm mm-hmm. basically from a village mm-hmm. and I'll tell them I'm a data scientist they don't know what it is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. I can tell you they don't know what's yeah. a data scientist. They, 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 and I think we I I have an obligation to increase this this awareness, but you start with simple things, yep. like probably connect to a few universities and just mm-hmm. getting the word the word out. Like how beneficial it has been for me, how beneficial it has been for the world. How you know data now is being appreciated as a valuable resource.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, what y- the, you know, just putting a few use cases out, mm-hmm. and then going to more um, technical things. Yeah, I think you're right. I need to start doing this.
0: <laughs> that's, that's great to hear. Uh, great. Uh, thanks, thanks, Marius, for your time. I, as I said initially, really uh, enjoyed our conversation, and and uh, you know, uh, great to know your journey, how how things came together, and then I uh, really think there is there is a lot to learn from your perseverance. The kind of hard work you've done to come from a different domain and then reach the top of Kaggle and then uh, you know the next set of work which you're doing on interpretability and then driverless AI so uh, so huge amount of learning there and I'm sure the community would l- uh, enjoy that a lot and sure.
1: and and on my you know from my side I would like again once again thank you for all you know, the work you've put in your community mm-hmm. to really make it easier for us to, to stay uh, connected,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, okay. to stay connected with this field, to stay, to keep becoming better, mm-hmm. uh, generally to, to democratize, you know, like this knowledge. It is, you know, like communities like yourselves that, you know, have really uh, changed the, the mm-hmm. space here.
0: Great, yeah. great,
1: so thanks. yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. It was great to talk to you, same, and way. uh, yeah, I, and we should keep in touch.
0: We will keep in touch, we will keep in touch. Thanks, thanks, Marius.